I was starting to lose hope. And so God gives me this pregnancy, this very tough diagnosis, and I'm just giving thanks to him. Even though I won't have that much time with my babies, I'm just giving thanks. And my family members, some will think that I'm crazy for thanking him for such a diagnosis, but that's what it is. It's a gift. Can there be a greater joy for a young couple than to know that they're parents? For them to see the positive pregnancy test and learn that there's a baby growing within the mother's womb? Well, children are truly the greatest gift of God, regardless of what the anti-life lobby would have us believe. So, from conception until natural death, every human being is entitled to their God-given right to life, no matter their size, their age, or their sex. This is why we strive to protect those that are most vulnerable and most discriminated against the innocent child in the womb of their mothers. We live in an age and a time where you can go to jail, as in the UK, for simply praying outside of an abortion center. But you would be celebrated for brutally killing your own child in the womb. Abortion is truly from Satan, who is from the beginning a deceiver and murderer. And Satan leaves no room for doubt regarding this as we see the satanic temple fighting in American courts for their religious right to abortion. Their marketing of their abortion ritual and their latest abortion temple. So those supporting abortion require no reason to advocate the murder of children. However, they're quick to do so and call it mercy when it's known that the baby in the womb will, you know, suffers from any kind of medical difficulty. Children in the womb that are diagnosed with illnesses and disabilities are massacred without a second thought, and their parents are lauded for sparing their children a life of misery by having their children hacked to death at the hands of an abortionist. Studies have indicated that these diagnoses are often incorrect, but of course, the disability and illness of a child can never be a reason to kill the children. They say in today's day and age that they've almost eliminated certain disorders, you know, and what they're really doing is they're killing the children, and they're calling that the great cure. The true act of mercy and love is to let the child live. When we love someone, we want to spend as much time with them as we can before their deaths. And that's why if we hear of a loved one being diagnosed with a life-threatening disease with only a few days to live, we'd rush to their bedsides to be with them, spend time with them, rather than killing them the very same day. And won't this apply then to our children in the womb as well? Even if the child is to die in the womb or be unable to survive life outside the womb, choosing to kill them is unacceptable and inhuman. But when faced with these situations... In real life, there can be tremendous pressure and confusion. My guest today is a young mother who's carrying conjoined twins who share one heart and other organs. She's been pressured by people to kill her children through abortion. But as a powerful pro-life witness, she has rejected these suggestions and decided instead to fight against abortion and share the humanity of her babies. Before we get to Nicole, my next guest, I wanted to share a word about emergency baptisms that apply in cases like this. So in cases of urgent necessity, and specifically with cases of children under the age of seven, canon law requires that they be baptized without delay, 
Look up Canon 867, number two. And when there is danger of the baby dying, there is no requirement that the parents be present, that they be practicing Catholics, or even married in the church. The church teaches that in life and death situations in which a priest or deacon is not available, anyone, including Catholics, even non-Catholics or non-Christians, and even non-theists, may baptize so long as they do so in the correct manner and with the correct intention, that is, the intention to baptize. The rite of baptism says, and I'll quote, All laypersons, since they belong to the priestly people and especially parents and by reason of their work, catechists, obstetricians, nurses of the sick, as well as physicians and surgeons, should know the proper method of baptizing in cases of necessity. That's from the rite of baptism number 17. In the case of necessity, it goes on, example of the danger of death, the person who baptizes pours water three times over the candidate's head or immerses the candidate three times in water, simultaneously pronouncing the baptismal formula, which is this. State the name of the person. Say, John. John, I baptize you in the name of the Father. And when you say that, the minister of pours water over the baby's head or, or person's head or immerses them in in, in water, and the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And with each of the invocations, in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, again, water's poured or uh, immersed in the water, uh, and of the Holy Spirit, same thing, water poured or immersed in the water. So water's poured three times over the person's head while speaking the words, I baptize you in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. You say his name first, of course, John or Susan or whatever it is. I baptize you in the name of the Son. So that's what we get. And then a layperson who administers an emergency baptism must at least have the intention to do what the church does when baptizing. And it's also desirable that as far as possible, one or two witnesses to the baptism be present. And that's it. I mean, the rules are fairly simple. This used to be known by all doctors and nurses in all hospitals, but is no longer the case very often. So you should know it and spread this truth, spread the word around of the need to baptize, especially in the cases of emergencies. And now to our guest, Nicole LeBlanc. Stay tuned. Hello, LifeSite friends. Aren't you sick of the cancel culture? Aren't you sick of the overlords at YouTube deciding what you'll be able to see and what you won't? Are you sick of them dictating morality and your use of pronouns? Well, we have had enough. With rampant attacks and continuous censorship we face here at LifeSite News, we've decided to bite the bullet. We are taking video into our own hands and we're playing on our own terms rather than the whims of big tech. We have launched our own video platform. Now we have the ability to showcase our important news and views without the risk of being banned and silenced. Defenders of faith, life, family, and freedom can now speak freely at LifeSite News without censorship from anti-life, anti-family, anti-faith, anti-freedom folks who seem to run all the big tech companies. This, of course, takes tons of hard work and also your support. So we're in the midst of our quarterly spring fundraising campaign, and we are in need of your support, both prayerful and financial. These fundraising campaigns are vital to our survival and the ability to broadcast the truth for free all around the world. So with the launch of our new video platform, we will be incurring many new ongoing expenses due to the size and bandwidth of our servers. 
the personnel expenses to maintain such a large system, and for new and improved features that we hope to add in the coming months. We must raise our campaign goal of an absolute minimum of $500,000 to continue the fight to withdraw completely from big tech and strengthen our ability to survive in the giant online world. So please donate at the link in the description below. Thank you for your prayers, your support, and your dedication. We are honored to be in this fight with you. May God bless you. Nicole LeBlanc, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. Let's begin, as we always do, with the sign of the cross. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. So, Nicole, thanks for being with us. Um, how, how far along in your pregnancy are you right now? I'm currently in my 23 week, 23rd week of the pregnancy. Wow. So you're dealing with this uh, very difficult pregnancy. You, you've been uh, warned. Tell us, what was the diagnosis and how did you learn about that? I found out that I'm having thoracopagus conjoined twins um, at 10 weeks gestational age. Um, I went to the ER and that's where they diagnosed me and the babies. Uh, the twins do run on my husband's side of the family, but nothing like this. This is a one in 100,000 chance of happening per pregnancy. Um, so it's been very emotional ride and going through all the very high intense um, maternal fetal medicine meetings. And this is not what a typical pregnancy would look like. Did you experience pressure? Uh, I would presume at such an early point in the pregnancy when they've discovered something like that, um, one of the major options on the table would be to encourage you to uh, terminate the pregnancy, as they'd say. Yeah, that was definitely something that they were pushing. And the fact that I was at a Catholic hospital is what really took me aback. Uh, they did not perform abortions at this hospital, but they were wanting to know, since I was still so early, what I wanted to do. So they were either going to transfer me to the major hospital, which where I'm at right now, uh, because the Catholic hospital, they said they had rules and regulations. We can't do that, but we would be more than happy to transport you. And my husband and I firmly said, absolutely not. This is just so impossible to even think about. It's brutal and you know, it's murder of my own children. Why would I do that? Let's, let's rewind a little bit, Nicole. Tell us uh, about yourself, about your marriage. How, how long have you been married? Um, I got married uh, to my wonderful spouse, Austin, in August, August 20th, 2021, on the Feast of St. Bernard of Clairvaux. Uh, so we've been married for almost, it'll be two years this August, uh, but still feels like we're in the honeymoon stage. Uh, we met when I was 19, he was 20, so we were having a, um, we met at work, so we dated um, during that time. He lived very close, so he was always at my house every day, and he's a convert to the Catholic faith. Um, in 2020, during all the shutdowns and everything, I was his sponsor, and he originally told me he was doing this because I told him I need to marry someone Catholic. If not, it's just not going to work out. So I went to the RCIA classes with him and answered all of his questions. And at first he did it for me, but he started learning and studying more. And he really fell in love with the faith, the Blessed Mother, the Eucharist, Eucharistic miracles, uh, all of it. So it was a package deal. And we um, you know, got married, Catholic, full ceremony. And he just 
we both love the faith and he's teaching me more. So, and me being a cradle Catholic, it's really refreshing to hear that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're just, uh, we go to mass, we go to a traditional Latin mass every Sunday for mass, pray the rosary daily. Um, with my mom, she's still very close by my sister. So very, um, I'm very close to my family cause we're Latina. So we have always there 24 <laughs> seven. Beautiful. Yeah. So what gives you this strong conviction about, uh, not offending our Lord, not, not harming your baby? Um, even in the face of the kind of pressure, were you, you know, was it confusing for you? How, how did that feel like when you went through that? Yeah, when when the doctors were telling me about their diagnosis, they were saying, you're going to miscarry. And if you don't miscarry, the other option should be for you to terminate because they're not expected to live long at all. Um, they were surprised that I had made it all the way to 16 weeks. So they were just really pressuring me and telling me that my life was also on the line. Uh, for what reason? I don't know, because this is the same as any twin pregnancy. There's always risks with pregnancies, but we're, we live in a time of modern medicine. Pe babies are born so early on. I don't know if it was a scare tactic or for me to be a number, but um, yeah, I don't know why they would want to push something so hard like that. And every single time that I would go to an appointment, even when they transferred me to the University of Michigan Hospital here, they were still asking me, how would you like to proceed and how would you like to continue? Even after seeing my little babies jumping off the side of my womb, even after all of that with their diagnosis and you can clearly see the organs that they have and what they share, it's it's nonsensical. It, the answer is yes. I'm yes to life. Now, obviously, you guys have been thinking about this and dealing with this. What does this look like? Is it going to have to be a C-section, I would presume, or how is that going to work? What have, plans have you already made? Yeah, so um, it's impossible to deliver two heads at once. So they would have to do a C-section uh, at 35 weeks. Um, and this is another scare tactic, I think, is the the form of the C-section. So before they used to do the long incision up and down abdominally, but and that carries its own side set of risks. So the doctors were telling me, if we do have to do this long incision, your risks for um, future pregnancies is very high. Uh, you would have a lot of complications with future pregnancies, and you can only have C-sections after this. And your babies you could only be like two or three in the future, and they would have to be born five weeks early every single time. So, I mean, I would have loved to have carried, you know, as many babies as I could have. I'm a pretty generally healthy person overall, but uh, so we're just praying for what kind of C-section incision this will be. Because if it's a low transverse uh, abdominal incision, the classical, uh, then I can try again um, with some complications, but nonetheless, it still is a massive surgery. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so well, they're just trying to see the, the the position of how they are. That will determine what cut that they do. What have you and your husband discussed in terms of, you know, what you're looking at, you know, in your lives with these children? Um, if the thought is, and have you made preparation for baptism or anything like that? Um, with your priests, I presume? 
Yes. Um, something that, so they, the doctors now think that they can make it to 35 weeks, be delivered then. And uh, they have a whole team of palliative care. We meet with them. We're going to have another meeting again. Uh, and I have expressed that I would like my husband in the room, my mother in the operating room and the priest so we can have them baptized. And we're trying to figure it out if hopefully, God willing, they are born alive, they would be born, they would be baptized in the minutes after uh, they are delivered instead of hours after delivery because their prognosis is, um, you know, minutes to hours to weeks. Sometimes uh, these babies can live for a couple of months, and uh, but that's just overall what it is. Some of you may remember, or perhaps even newly appreciate, the late Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen. He is considered one of the greatest communicators in the modern era and stands as a great example for all of us in what it means to work in Catholic broadcasting. For over 50 years, Sheen captivated audience on both radio and television, and millions tuned in each week to hear his messages of hope and encouragement. One of LifeSite's supporters is Radio Maria and they are now proud to be showcasing some of Bishop Sheen's timeless recordings on their weekly radio show entitled Bishop Sheen Presents. Please consider tuning in to Radio Maria on Friday afternoons at 2 p.m. Central or Saturdays at 5 p.m. to enjoy the Venerable Archbishop's wit and wisdom. For more information on Radio Maria and their Catholic work, please visit their website, radiomaria.us. That's radiomaria.us. And now, back to the program. Now, these are your first children, uh, your first pregnancy, and, uh, you know, this has happened. A lot of people faced with something like this would be very angry with God or rebel or question their faith or question God. Mm. What's your response? Well, I have had a very tough diagnosis before in my family. My father, he passed away when I was 15 of stage four pancreatic cancer. So I did have that feeling when I was 14, 15, and I was upset that why would this happen to my father? He was a devout Catholic man. He was receiving communion every single day um, in hospice. He told me he was doing this for the conversion of sinners, a very holy man. And I would question a lot of things. I had a lot of questions. And he firmly put his hand on the table. And he was so sick. And the fact that he was so passionate about our Lord and the faith really made me not question anything. Everything I do has to be for the glory and honor of God. These babies are a miracle. The, the fact that they're still alive is a miracle. So I have to give back to God all the graces that I've received from the suffering my dad had or any of my suffering that I'm experiencing emotionally with their diagnosis. I'm, I plan to have these babies for my entire life and to have them be with me. And the fact that that's not going to be something that is possible um, it is very sad, but I know God is in control. How could I be mad at him? These babies are meant for him. That story about your dad, I think, is really, really moving. Mm-hmm. His firmness in his suffering is what uh, instilled such a strong faith in you. What a witness that is. Absolutely. 
Beautiful. What, um, your husband, what does he think of all this? Um, this must be very difficult for him as well. What are his thoughts? What's he shared with you? No, yeah, he's also been very pro-life in his upbringing. So we both kind of looked at each other when they were telling us their diagnosis. And we're like, this is impossible for even to think about aborting our children. Um, I mean, we got married and we made a promise to God to, you know, raise children to God and for him. And it's been it's been very difficult on him. At first, uh, he wanted to resort more to working on our small business and just uh, doing whatever he could to get his mind off of it. But as we grew more and more acceptance with their diagnosis, we have just been praying more, just letting God do his work, not our will, but his be done. And he's been very supportive, very um, loving, especially in the first trimester. He has helped a lot. And um, I couldn't have had a better spouse in mind. God, God did a great job <laughs> with Austin. Beautiful. Now, um, are you okay if we show some of the photos of, uh, of your babies, the ultrasound photos? Yes, that's okay. Beautiful. One thing you have to do is, um, you know, I'm sure you'll be taking photos of the little ones when they're born, God willing, and, uh, and baptized and everything else. Please uh, come back and share that with us when, when that happy day comes. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. I, I think these pictures, especially of the ultrasounds, really show their humanity. And even with their 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 closeness and proximity, it's kind of hard to get clear pictures of them now. But they clearly have humanistic features, and I can't wait to share that the humanity of these babies so early on. Mm -hmm. Now, one of the things that many people would wonder about is how in the world do you maintain composure? Um, and I know you have hard days, and so tell us about how you sort of get over that because i think in allowing a glimpse into your own pain and you know the way you overcome it or deal with it i think would help a lot of young people in dealing with the various traumas they're in there's many many of them i have never really been a person to experience anxiety or have panic attacks i would get stressed out at school exams and whatnot but nothing where my life was on the line, like how the doctors are telling me now or trying to scare me. So, of course, that was going to induce some sort of reaction. Anxiety is just a human nature response. So when we're faced with difficult challenges as a Catholic, you just have to cling to the rosary and our Blessed Mother. There is no other way. People tell me how strong I am and I'm really like, no, I'm really not strong a person at all. Uh, everything that I have is through the prayers. People are praying for me. I think that's very important. My family members that have kind of fallen away are thinking about things now and questioning things. And my, I really think my daughters are really teaching me what strength is because they are fighters and they're so tiny yet I can feel them and it makes me want to be stronger for them. Even with one umbilical cord that they have, they're taking all of my nutrients, but so be it. I am their mother. That is my job as a mother is to support them. And yeah, the days can be hard on me, especially I get anxiety sometimes. And 
I'll be with my mom or um, Austin and we'll just take a minute and just pray and just let Jesus be giving me the peace that he has. And again, the rosary really helps me and Gregorian chants. I'll just lay back and just listen and just be, be with, um, be with God. Yeah. Very interestingly, this situation with you, which could have caused you to lose faith, many people around you to lose faith, to rebel against God. You're suggesting that it's actually causing people in your family to turn to the faith. Yes. Um, for me, it is a gift. I I didn't think I would be able to be pregnant. We were um, trying, just letting God's will work, and it was almost a year. And I was thinking, oh, it's just, it's never going to happen. We're both 23 how can this be that we're not conceiving yet? And so it took 10 months for us. So finally, um, I was starting to lose hope. And so God gives me this pregnancy, this very tough diagnosis, and I'm just giving thanks to him. Even though I won't have that much time with my babies, I'm just giving thanks. And my family members, some will think that I'm crazy for thanking him for such a diagnosis, but that's what it is. It's a gift. Some people aren't as fortunate as I am to have babies. And it is a struggle going to church every week and seeing pregnant moms and they have a pew full of beautiful babies and children. And some women, they long for that. It is in our human nature as women to want babies. And it doesn't matter how they're formed or how they were conceived. Um, it's just, it's a miracle. And that's what I have to keep on telling family members and those non-believers. Uh, they, um, they see the pictures of the little baby and the heartbeat at seven weeks. Um, that's when they did the earliest appointment. But it's just, it's a miracle. Now you found out they're baby girls. Have you thought of names yet? Yes, yes. Um, I didn't want to really know. I wanted to be surprised. Um, but since they were saying, oh, you're going to miscarry and you're not going to have much time, um, we were like, okay, well, we got to pick special names. Mm -hmm. So we picked Maria Therese and Rachel Claire. Mm -hmm. Beautiful. Beautiful. Yes. Now, with these little ones, um, you know, one of the things you've probably already consecrated them to Our Lady and and... Do you, do you, you as a mother, I'm sure, feel a connection to these little ones? How about your husband? I've found in in <laughs> my travels this way, it's it's more difficult that way. Well, from the very beginning, um, he would always kiss my belly and talk to the baby, and I was like, you know, there might be two in there because <laughs> this nausea is pretty bad. But every <laughs> single day, he would talk to them and tell them how loved that they are and how much dad loves them. And I will talk to my girls and I'll say, you know, dad made some really great homemade pancakes this morning. <laughs> and they they really like when I eat sugary things. But um, I'll tell them all the great things that he does for us, for the three of us. And they I know that they feel loved by, by their dad. Beautiful. Beautiful. What are your, what would your words be for uh, young people struggling with all sorts of different um, hardships and challenges in their lives? 
what would your uh, advice for them be? I would say first contact some sort of priest or spiritual director. Even if they're not Catholic, they need to speak to someone with a religious point of view. Um, but yeah, obviously, if you're Catholic, talk to a priest first and go to Mass. Go to confession and go to Mass. Um, I feel a great relief whenever I go to confession. I will you know, talk about the anxieties that I'm feeling because that also doesn't really belong to God. So I want to guest all cast all my worries to God and leave it at the foot of the cross. But you also have to acknowledge that we are here to help him bear his cross while we are on earth. So if there's a hardship that you're dealing with, you know, be that Simon of Cyrene and help our Lord carry the cross, even even if it hurts us, even if it, you know, is meant to kill us, it is, God has a better will, better understanding of our lives than we can ever think of. It's better than something we can, it's uncomparable, his plan for us. We're, we're human, so our concept of this life is very short and very brief. So I would say just trust God in everything, everything that you do and wake up every morning with prayer and thanks because not not everyone gets to wake up every day and thank God. So just doing that, I would say, and talk to family. Definitely have open conversations with the family. If your parents are still around or you have a sister or brother you can confide in, definitely having these open conversations because having everything bottled in doesn't doesn't help anyone. Indeed, indeed. Mm-hmm. Nicola Blank, thank you so much for being with us and sharing your story. Thank you so much for the opportunity. God bless you. God bless you as well. And God bless all of you. We'll see you next time. And do keep Nicole and her husband and her little ones in your prayers. Hi, everyone. This is John Henry Weston. We hope you enjoyed this program. To see more like it, be sure to hit the subscribe button below to get all the latest content from LifeSite News. Check the links in the description to read more and connect with us on social media so that you can stay up to date with all the latest life, family, faith, and freedom news. Thanks for watching, and may God bless you.